Thanks for joining us on this special episode of the Father's House podcast. Today's lesson is a special excerpt from our recent 2021 Married People Date Night with special guest speakers, Pastors Kevin and Melissa Goff from The Rock Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you are looking to get married or have been married for years, you'll definitely be blessed by this lesson. So let's jump right into it. Lisa, you are up once again. Isn't she doing a great job? Come on. Fantastic job. job. Beautiful job. Um, So I'm going to welcome Sean and Justine back up to the stage and Simone and Thurman. And then Kevin and Melissa, if you want to take your seat in the middle there. So now is the time for your questions. You guys gave us some great questions. There's no way that we can get to all of them today, but we're going to try to work our way through the most of them. And um, as I ask these guys, so um, you know what, Melissa, I'm going to give you back this one, and Thurman and I will share a mic, and then I can stand on the end. All right. We have some questions we're going to try to answer with all the wisdom on the platform. All the wisdom. Yeah. So, and sorry for spilling the coffee early. I don't normally drink on the job. (laughs) Sorry. Isn't he the best? Okay, here it is. Ready? How to have your husband say he's sorry. Well, how about how to have your wife say she's sorry, too? (laughs) I mean, well, I'm an equal opportunist, right? We're talking about saying, I'm sorry, let's talk about it. Because in our home, the truth is, um, I found it easier when we were younger to say, I'm sorry. I mentioned that even last night. Saying, I'm sorry, was one of those things but that I had to learn quickly. You know, the thing that David was, man after God's own heart, was because he was quick to repent. Here, here's the deal. We talked about this a little bit in our marriage as well. Is When you say, I'm sorry, you're admitting something wrong. But there's a difference between saying I'm sorry and repenting. I've had, I've had people tell me they're sorry, but they act the same way. So it's not a matter of someone saying I'm sorry. The question is, are they changing their actions? Are you coming to some type of resolve where, where they will change their action? Because I'm sorry are just two words that don't mean anything if the actions don't change. Now, I will agree that saying I'm sorry is vitally important. I shared that, like I said, last night. So I was always quick to repent. I was always quick to say, you know, babe, I'm sorry. But I realized the reason I'm sorry fell deaf on her ears is because I would do it again. They come back and say, I'm really sorry. I, did, I didn't mean to, like it was an accident again. And so I, I think we have to work on change, modification, behavior modification. It's not just I'm sorry, but what can we do to say, this has been an offense, this has been something that's happened, and we need to resolve why it's happening. Not just simply, I'm sorry, but what can we do to change? And you might need to find some help for that. You might need to uh, have a mediator or counseling or something that says, this is a hurt. Because this type of question don't come just because someone don't say, I'm sorry. This type of question comes because it's hurtful in your heart. And the, a, a heart that's damaged affects the whole life. And so I would just encourage you, and this is just my two cents, I'll let the, the team talk, but... I'm sorry is great, but change behavior is what we're looking for. And you probably, with this question, won't get there on yourself. I would even add that I'm a, an intentional person. So I'm going to say sorry when I really mean that I'm sorry. Right. That, you know, just because she wants me to say sorry, and if I don't mean it, that means nothing to her. So when I say I'm sorry, I truly mean that I'm sorry. And, and she knows that that's... She got the real, the, I'm sorry. 
but I won't say it if I don't mean it. So you don't expect it. If you're expecting a sorry and your husband's not sorry, then don't expect it because it's not coming. Mm. Well, he did say something last night that was really important that has helped our marriage. I don't know that it would help every marriage, but it really has brought a lot of peace to our home is when a counselor told us to be responsible for what part you played. doesn't mean that you were the source of the problem. doesn't mean that you, you were the one starting it. You're the one that instigated all of it. But in our home, we did come to the place where he would say, I'm sorry for the part that I played. Now, he does this a lot more frequently than I do because it is an issue that I don't like to say I'm sorry. But, but it has softened my heart. It truly has softened my heart to just go, okay, even though I, I think he's really not thinking he's at fault here, it's okay. He wants to bring peace. Yeah. And I find that as, as really the, the instigation of, okay, let's just have peace. It's, it's way more important to have peace than it is to, to win this fight, to win my point, to get my jab in. Whatever it is, it's a lot more important to live in peace. So that really helps our marriage. I get my very own microphone. What do you do when a heated discussion about an important, an important issue and your spouse continues to misunderstand your intent and where your heart is coming from and takes things offensively? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel as I've grown older and the longer we've been married, I feel like if he's not getting the point, I have to back off. I have to say, okay, I've tried to make the point of how I feel or what I'm thinking, and now he has to digest what I said. And if, I mean, I've come to learn that sometimes it's just not worth to keep going and to just, you know, harp on it because that's just going to aggravate him more, right. and then it's going to make me, you know, be mad at him more. Yes. So, so you make the point and then you let them digest it and then let God handle it from right. there. Let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do at that point. Yeah. I, was, I would also say that everything is your perspective. Like she's telling me something sometimes that she doesn't think I get, but I'm a thinker. So I'm, I get it, but you know, I see things in a different perspective than yes. she does yes. some, a lot of times. So a, a completely different perspective. We are complete opposites. So, so, you know, it's not the fact that your husband doesn't get it. It's he has a different perspective than you do. Yeah, very good. And I would also add that um, in some relationships, one can be a little bit more feisty than the other. And I'm that feisty one. No. <laughs> and I would... <laughs> And I would say that um, I've learned so much from my husband because in the beginning where I'd be like, da, 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 it's so funny. He would say to me, well, it takes two to argue. Yeah. I am not going to argue with you. So you can stand here and continue to do that until you're finished and then come get me when you're ready to have a real discussion. <laughs> I was just like, who even are you? So I've learned that would, I just have to interrupt. You guys know what Thurman does, what his job is? He's a school counselor. Yeah. You should have known that when you. Yeah. So I get a lot of counseling for free. But <laughs> I've learned 
that I can't argue with him. I've had to stop being so spicy and so feisty and just learn in order for us to have a discussion, I'm going to have, yeah, I'm Jamaican, I'm spicy. But I'm going to have to learn to bring myself down, talk to God, and then to come to him. Otherwise, he was not even going to be receptive to what I had to Very say. Very good. And, and also the question lends itself to, you know, my intentions and their sensitivity. So it's hard to read someone's intentions. Maybe, maybe you're saying it wrong. Maybe your intention's right, but your face is wrong. Maybe your intention's right, but the way you say it don't sound to him or her like it sounds to you. And, and it also lends itself to sensitivity. So some people are more sensitive. I, I was always the more sensitive one. I mentioned that just a while ago. I was always the more sensitive one, a little emotional because the way I was treated as a child. And so God had to heal that orphaned heart of mine through the years. And so she's had to learn, because everyone sees my wife as just this sweet little docile person. And you don't go through what this lady's went through. She's like a robot with a heart. And, and so she had to learn to say, wait a minute, I've got to say this differently because he don't hear as I hear. So the responsibility lies on both sides. Quit being so dang sensitive. And change the way you say it. If it's not working... It's habit insanity to think what you keep doing is going to work. Yeah. So maybe say it differently. Maybe lead into it a little more softer. Maybe do it within, not with your intentions, but how will they hear it? Because they've not heard it that way so far. Okay. <laughs> and also uh, Proverbs um, 21, 2, I believe, says that every man is right um, in his own heart, mm -hmm. in his own mind. But um, God, God examines the heart. So I think it's very important. To keep that in mind, we're all coming, um, like you said, from a different perspective, and we really, truly, you know, feel that we're right. Okay, so Pastor Nita, it's time. She asked me last night when we got ready to play the newlywed game if I had any whoopee questions. <laughs> we're going to dive into the whoopee questions right now. So here they come. Are you guys ready? You, um, well, that was, anyway. All right, so they really, we're going to do these two together. So I'm going to say both of them, and then we'll just go down the line, and you guys decide how you want to do that. So the first question was, what's a healthy amount of sex per week? The second one is, how do you deal with a difference in sex drive? So I think they kind of go hand in hand together. So whoever wants to jump in on that one. I'll jump in. <laughs> Because tonight might or might not be the night. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Justine just said, well, it's not Sean's night tonight. Um, yeah, now I, I, know, I know we're laughing and sometimes, you know, we make light of something, but this is a very deep, painful area. I think anyone that's married knows this can be very deep and painful, and so we're not making light of the subject. In fact, we know we're not because one of the reasons we divorced is this very reason. We were a very young couple, and we had very different sex drives, and so we really, we really caused a lot of pain for one another through our, our, our verbiage and, and our arguing and the things that we did back then that caused us a lot, of, a lot of trauma. I wouldn't just say some deep pain, but real trauma in our home. And uh, we, 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 were never, we were never coached or helped with communication at all. We were just, you're in love, get married, and it'll work out. 
And, you know, love will keep us together. And uh, that's what Captain Tony Tennille said. But anyway, um, it, it, it's, it's not true. You have to learn to communicate. You have to learn to really say this, this, this matter is too deep and too painful not to communicate. And this is one of those areas, if we're not careful, we become very self-centered. We become very self-thinking, you know, self, so only self-conscious. And, and there is that thin, thin line. So when we came back together, and I'm not going to get too deep into our discussion, but when, when we came back together to get married, my wife says, I'll tell you what, I'll remarry you, but we're going to have sex until I say we have sex. And I was so excited just to be remarried. I went, cool, that's cool. You know, a week or two, she'll be fine. Um, I mean, look at all this. But, <laughs> um, and, you know, one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. I'm like, you know, and, and, and pretty soon it was like, I don't know how many weeks. But the bottom line is it brought us through our counseling into conversation about the frequency of our sex life. Now, here's what I will say. People will say, because we literally came to one another and said, how will we work this out? What we're we going to do here? How, how are we going to communicate this? You know, and we did talk about the frequency. How often is good enough for you? Can I just lay a little bit of a foundation? Because of him having a really high sex drive and me, not so much, there came a point in time in our marriage that I really felt like a piece of meat. I felt like that's the only reason he wants me around is so I can have sex with him. I really felt so used and 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 devalued as anything else. Yeah, like it just caused a lot of pain in me as a person because I didn't feel like I had value as a person. I just was valued as his sex toy. So when we came back into marriage, that's what you know, basically brought around the conversation, like, I will not marry you because there was so much pain, the, the constant um, need for sex. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm not going back into a marriage that, that that's an issue again. We're only going to have sex when I say we're going to have sex, which is, was absolutely not the heart of God because the heart of God says your body does not belong to yourself. It belongs to your husband. So that's a whole thing in itself. But we did have to deal with, with the pain of it. And have to deal with the conversation about it. And that's where communication comes in. A conversation has to be had. You can't just let it go and, and you're stewing over there mad and pissed off and she's over here mad. And I, I, I mean, there's so much silence in this area because there, it's uncomfortable. It's hard to talk about. It really is hard. It's one of the hardest areas to communicate in. So you yeah, might and, need to find a counselor well, and, that and, can and, help you in and that part, area. And part of that is when one is not sexually is driven one is uh, they're trying to give you all the signs i'm really interested and sometimes men especially young men think well if i just touch her she'll feel better and there's all kinds of things that go into it that's just weird when you're younger and and maybe even older i don't know but the idea was we had to say okay so let's talk about it and she said how often would be frequent enough and i well, once a day i guess and and she's like, oh, no. Uh, and she's said, about once a week, I was like, oh, no. Uh, and we finally came up with what was conducive, really. And, and here's, what, here's what you have to understand. It really takes the pressure off. It really does. It takes the pressure off. Because all of a sudden, you're like, okay, we know that this week, this is going to happen. No big deal. Quit trying to press the issue. And it's not like scheduled. Well, it didn't happen last week, so I get an extra one this week. <laughs> 
it rolls over. <laughs> Those are my bonus points. <laughs> can, can I add a plug for growth track? So if you go through growth track with your spouse, you find out what their love language is also. And yeah. if you pour yeah. into that love language throughout the day or love throughout tank, the week, yeah. whatever it is, you know, I find out that buying things for Justine makes her love me more sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's her love language. She loves gifts, you know. So, well, I, mean, I know what night it is when I buy her stuff. But, uh, so. <laughs> but that truly is an amazing point because... We, we've told many times at marriage conferences, sex doesn't happen in the bedroom. It doesn't start in the bedroom. The best sex starts in the kitchen, how you treat them in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. You can't treat them like crap all day long and expect something that night. So it really does happen with what you treat them like and, and the attitude of the home and the joy in the, and what are you adding to their, their day that makes them even in the mood or, you know, and he has so much more to say about that, but it really is truly a mind and a psychology yeah. thing yeah. more than it is a physical thing. It, it well, it's, it's even biblical. The Bible says a woman is a deep cistern, a deep well. I don't know if you've ever pumped water from a well. It takes a while. You know, you just have pump and prime and pump and prime and pump and prime, and sometimes you just get a little gurgle. You're like, oh, well, that was lackluster. Um, <laughs> but you don't give up. You just go back to pumping and priming so you can get a drink. A woman is like a deep cistern, a deep well. A man's like a fountain. <laughs> what do you do with a fountain? You just get all the way. You know what I'm saying? So, so it, it really, sorry. It really, it, <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. It really, it, it, it really, I told you I'd go all the way for a laugh. Okay, maybe we could move on to Simone. <laughs> I think we're making Lisa uncomfortable. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But the truth of I'm it like, is. I'm like, PT invited you here. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's the cold. truth is, this is a very deep issue. And it could be opposite. It's not always the no, man that, that's right. that is the one that's desiring it. Yeah. Sometimes we have counseled many couples yep. where it's the wife is like, my husband just doesn't want me anymore. I'm just not needed. I'm not loved. I'm not wanted. I'm not desired. And I feel, you know, and there's so many different variations that can happen in a marriage. So it's not just one way. But if it's not something that you can come to a resolve, you need counseling. You it could be psychological issues. It could be physical issues, you know. It may be one of those things where you're like, I, I'm just, I don't understand my, my physiology. It's changed. I'm not who I used to be. And it's not you. It's just what I'm going through. And, you know, you might have to meet a little blue friend or something. I don't know. <laughs> but you've got to do something to get through that issue to bring. Listen, the, 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 the idea is not sex. Yeah. The idea is intimacy. Yeah. And the, yes. the key to intimacy, and I'll never forget this, the key to intimacy is if you break it down, you can say into me see, into me see. And, and I know that's not what the word means, but it is what the intention of the word is, that when I let her view into me and she allows me to view into her, that's when we have the best intimacy in every area. And so if your goal is sex, 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 you have a problem. Yeah. Your goal is to be intimate, to, to, to be loving, to be kind, to hold hands. To, and, and by the way, chivalry is dead in this world. I opened, when, I, when I first dated my wife, and I want to I talk about this to you guys. When I first dated my wife, she was 15, I opened her car door. And she said, and she said I can open my own car door. I said, not as long as you're dating me, you can't. And so I guess we're still dating. 
and I, I pull her chair out in the restaurant. I walk on the street side of the sidewalk. I mean, I, I want to be intimate, caring, loving, protecting. I want to be the role that God said I should be. So why would you expect that person to be the role they should be when you're not being the role you should be? So I think it's important for us to understand that all this isn't just about let's have sex one night or two nights. or No, this is about let's be on the same page, love one another, and be intimate together and have a relationship that will just make us love one another to the degree that that's going to be a natural part of our life. And, and with the frequency, what he said, it, it takes a lot of um, intentionality. So if you come to an agreement, okay, it's once a week, it's twice a week, whatever it is that you guys come to that agreement it takes the pressure off of saying, like, I'm going to bed and I'm just jumping in bed and acting like I'm asleep so I can avoid it. And pulling my, 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 my sweats, sweats really I'm just, tight. I'm just, like, not interested in having the coldness. You know, having the coldness of, uh, he's giving me all the signs he wants and I'm trying to give him all the signs I don't want it. You know, that, you know what I'm talking about? So it just takes all of those things away from it so that you go, okay, maybe it is on Tuesday night. Then you know, like, oh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I can just have fun and just enjoy life and not have to worry about thinking, oh, my God, this is the night. You know, or whatever it is for you. Well, when Whatever it is okay. We went you. to marriage counseling, and our, uh, the, Dwight told us what we should do is have a candle on each side of the bed. And if you want sex, turn, light that candle that night, you know. And, uh, I mean. I mean He'd be like. Let's See, get a fireplace. It's going to be burning out I, all the time. I have like 20, 20 candles on my side of the bed. But, you know. <laughs> but, but, but guys, sometimes also look at yourself in the mirror. You know, that's who your wife is looking at. You know, so treat, take care of yourself. And then your wife is going to appreciate you the more you take care of yourself. Well, that goes for the women, too. Get rid of your pinned-up bra. <laughs> You know, the ones you got the safety pin in and, and, and <laughs> buy some okay. new underwear. Do, okay. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it goes both ways, you know? Okay. I mean, this is Simone, real talk. do you have anything in this discussion? You've been... <laughs> yeah, spicy Simone, we want to hear from you. So, well, in this case, he's more spicy than I am, but. Uh... <laughs> the spice left the room. Uh, yeah. But um, I will say that I've had to teach him to date me, mm -hmm. date my mind. Yeah. Because, you know, and, you know, it's from the first time we were married, I'm like, what are you, like an animal? Like, who are you? You know, like, <laughs> calm down. But, you know, he started to date me. And then what he said was, it's just like, you're, look at you. Or, you know, like, you're, and he really started to get in my head that he just loves me that much. And that's why he was always attacking me. <laughs> but the point is, date date your wife's mind like before you try to date her body. Like, call her throughout the day, wow. text her, send her messages. And he really got me excited doing that. I'd look at my phone and I'd be like, oh. <laughs> you know, and that was fun. So, okay, we okay, okay. Yes, uh, quickly. Um, okay. What I have learned is. I have to continually have to uh, relearn my wife. Like every five yeah, years, yeah. I have to, to relearn her. That's Boy, all I want to say. Relearn That's so her. Good. That's good. Okay. We're going to go a little simpler after all of that 10 minutes we had on that one. Um, and just see it. It was very good. How do you spend time with God together? Pray and read the Bible. What, how do you spend time together? So, so every morning, um, 
I pray over her and we pray together every morning. I try not to miss a morning and this is something that we started last few months. So this is not something that we've always done, but she, she really made it clear to me that we need to be connected in that way. Good, Thurman. There's a lot of pressure in this area. Uh, I, I, the most intimate thing you can do with your spouse is not have sex, it's pray. That's and, and that's why prayer is so hard to do together. The first time I prayed with my wife was worse than any speech or sermon I've ever given. First time I joined hands and prayed out loud, I thought, this is going to sound so stupid. And you guys, especially, I'm talking to the guys especially, because women are more prone to be a little more vocal about needing that, wanting that. But guys, we tend to just think, oh, she knows. No, no. And, and I'm glad you said morning, because we first tried to do it at night, and it'd be like we'd start praying, and pretty soon one of us would be going, um, so we do, we do the same thing. We start every morning just holding each other and speaking the word over our life, over our marriage, over our children's marriages, over our health, over our finances, over all that we believe in together. And so it's, it's really, I'm convinced, if one can put 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, prayer is the most intimate, powerful thing we can ever That's do good. together. Very good. Very it's good. true. It's Go true. So I wake up very early in the morning and... I do my devotion in the morning, but I also know she does her devotion in the morning, but we don't do it together. There you go. So don't feel pressured that you have That's to do great. your That's devotion good. with your, you know, we do pray, we come to church together, and that is our time together. And I, I you know, I feel like I'm going to stand before God by myself without her. So my time with God is that's my that's my relationship with God, and I don't share that with her. We do share it together as a marriage, but, you know, I want my intimate relationship with God without her. So I hope, but we do have, I mean, it's, I hope that helps some, you know. Can I add to that? So, and uh, we do have our time alone also, yes. but I do believe that, um, and it was an older couple that told us this, it's very important to pray together yep. because you get to hear the most intimate parts yep. of his heart yep. before God. So when I started hearing the things that he was speaking to our father about, it brought me even more closer to him because that's deep. He's sharing with me what he's sharing with God, but we do have our time alone together. Well, I mean, and then sometimes I'll pray. And then sometimes when we're together, she'll pray. And, and, and don't put the pressure of, well, that was only a few minutes. Great. You'll be surprised how you can move heaven and earth in a few moments of unified prayer. So don't put this pressure. You're going to be down beside the bed for 30 or 45 minutes bombarding heaven. Because yeah. that's not. And I, and I agree. There are certain people that have different schedules. There's some people that have nighttime jobs and days. So you don't have the same exact schedule. So it doesn't have to be regimented. It has to be at six o'clock in the morning. It, it can come whenever it works for both of you. Even if you need to call on the phone and at a break that you both have, a lunchtime break or whatever, just say, you know what, I really want to touch yep. base with you and yep. FaceTime and we could just yep. pray together on the phone. It doesn't... Kind of like sex, it has to be scheduled. Yeah, <laughs> scheduled. Scheduled. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good sex, idea, just on the phone prayer, even praying. Schedule. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, so this is... Um, are you ready for this one? a question. Do you go to sleep angry? Yes or no? I have. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I mean, yeah. I have gone to bed angry. I mean, it's not the best thing to do, but there's times that, you know, I'm, we've done something or whatever, but we always work it out. It might not be that night, but yeah. 
we've have tons of it in so i'm a work it out that night person and he's not and i need it to be worked out that night and so i'm learning from another couple that uh just kind of get over it and that's what she says and um wake up tomorrow and it's good um but god's working on me because i'll wake up tomorrow and go hey it's still here <laughs> let's deal with this so he's the one he's just such a cool guy and he'll just like let things roll off his back but i want to work it out that night like come on let's hash this out well simone that's that's so much me that's who, when i was younger we we wouldn't go to bed angry we would just stay up for two or three nights um <laughs> Seriously, that's the, and and the truth is, our counselor when we came back together told us, here's the thing you have to get to before you go to bed. You have to hold hands and look at each other and say, "I love you. We will be together for the rest of our lives. This will not separate us, but we need some sleep. Let's put it to bed. Let's put it to rest, and we're going to revisit this at a proper time. Okay, not 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 I'm going to step all night fighting because then you're fighting for yourself. You're not fighting for the good of the marriage. And so that sensitivity factor, once again, sometimes is what we're talking about. So we've done it. My problem is we have to have that moment of saying, we're okay. I love you. We're not going to fight. We didn't remarry to fight three times. And so the idea for us is we're going to put this to rest because if we don't, I will wake up the next morning more angry. That's how I'm built. I'm wired like that. So I'm like, okay, we're going to go to bed. Then I wake up going, now I'm up and I'm madder. And so that's not good. Hold hands, look at one another and say, I love you. You're my prized possession. This will not divide our home. We will join hands in a moment that's appropriate and we'll deal with this. For me, it goes back to perspective. Like, because I don't, I don't get mad like she does. So she could be mad at me and I'm thinking everything's okay. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm going to Show of hands on that one. I go to bed, I'm fine. When I go to bed, I... I'm fine no matter what, whether she's mad or not. I, I'm okay. So Somewhere DNA, somewhere, seriously, because my family's all angry. Somewhere DNA, Italian, somewhere DNA stops and Christianity begins. Oh, that's good. Say that again, Pastor Kevin. Somewhere DNA ends because you got a new DNA. You're now a Christian, follower of Christ, the blood of Jesus. Somewhere DNA that we blame. I'm talking to myself because I was an angry little elf. DNA, DNA ends and Christian DNA begins. That's it. That's good. Okay. So the next question, and this is, um, <clears throat> I know that this may be specifically for Kevin and Melissa, but they were asking marriage after loss mm. when spouses grieve differently. Whoa. So that's a pretty, I mean, you've all experienced, we've all experienced some um, loss. And so when your spouse doesn't grieve as you grieve. Yeah, that, that's that's a tough one. My wife and I, obviously, we, we lost a nine-year-old twin boy. I mentioned that. And it was tough because during that season, she had <clears throat> multiple injuries that took five surgeries over the next two years. So she couldn't even come to the hospital the night he died. And she couldn't even go. She came to the, six days later, came to the, the, the funeral by ambulance in a body cast and laid on the front row. Mm. So she couldn't go to the graveside. Her goodbyes were very different than mine. And it was, it was a difficult season, but thank God, at that moment, I had grown to the degree I realized I couldn't expect her to progress with me, no more than she could expect me to say, I'm in the same place you are, because I wasn't in and out of medication and morphine, and, and you'd have to know all the surgery she went through. And so for the next year, she would be in a hospital bed, either in the hospital or in our house, sedated many times because of pain. And I would walk in from church because I was still pastoring, and she'd be laying in bed just weeping and crying. 
really touching heaven because the pain it was there and I would feel like if I wasn't careful I'm already through this I, I don't want to see the tears I'm, I've cried enough but I had to reach down and find the compassion of the Holy Spirit and I had to realize that the pain I once knew she was still experiencing and so it was a true felt empathy I would have it wasn't just a it wasn't sympathy. It was truly that she was living somewhere I had known just months before, and I had to remember the pain. I had to remember that that moment crushed me. And you might, and if you, and if you suffered a severe loss, and and, and I, I I feel for people who suffered those severe losses, and you're trying to heal because there's no formula except patience and compassion and empathy and if you're the one that's healed up further thank god but please reach back and say wait i remember i remember when i was there and be patient and kind and here i was coming through my dark days of depression my wife experiencing depression and i would just take her by the hand and say i'm right here you're gonna be okay just breathe let's walk through this together and Another thing is, I couldn't allow her just to park there. I couldn't let pain be her permanent resident. I couldn't allow her to go, I deserve this because I was a mother and I, was a, I, was, I, was, I, I birthed that boy. Because that's unfair to us as husbands. Because although we didn't birth that child, you couldn't love him no more than I would love him. So it's this thing where you work on this compassion and realize that sometimes I'm not being less sensitive i'm just saying you've been here a long time now you know for instance they put a cross up on the corner where my son was killed and time went on and and the cross was still there and every time i'd pass that cross it would just it would pummel my heart and he played football i don't normally do this and and i was coaching so i remember that next season driving past that cross and seeing that cross. And one time I went by and the cross was knocked over. And I find myself out there picking up going, I don't know who knocked this cross over. And the Holy Spirit said, your son's not on this corner. He's in my presence. I took the cross and I put it in the trunk and I brought it home. I said, baby, I took the cross down. It's in the trunk. She said, leave it there. I said, I will. But then when she got better, she would go to the car and she would open the trunk and there was the cross. So finally, eventually, I took the cross and I set it in the corner of the garage. I said, baby, I took the cross out of your trunk. It's now in the corner. Leave it there. To this day, we don't know where the cross is at. But we know where our son's at. Amen. We know where our son's at. But, but it was a process. It was a process of, of both of us healing at different points in time. And that is true. And it, it, like I said, it's not just one or the other. You don't. You just, your emotions are different. And so you have to give grace. You have to give grace that they're not in the same place that you are. And, and whatever that looks like, you just have to remind yourself that is them dealing with that, that issue the way that they and they alone have to deal with it. You can imagine grieving with me in the house. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was just going to say uh, just a little real quick. Um, not losing a child, but I lost my brother 13 months ago mm. from, to cancer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I had to grieve so much different than he had to grieve. I mean, he knew him a long time, but 
that was my brother. And he had to let me, you know, cry it out. And and still times it's sad and stuff like that. But he's, you have to give your spouse or you have to give them time to grieve a family member that they didn't have such a relationship with like that. From my perspective on that, I had to find friends like Pastor Terry and Al to, you know, say, how do I deal with her? Because <laughs> she, was, you know, grieved so much. And it was like, I, and I don't have very many, much sympathy for that type of stuff. But, I, you know, I did try to take their perspective and, and share it with her and make sure that I was sensitive to her. So real quickly, uh, uh, I had confirmation from God just now because he said something, and I want to say it to anyone in this room that may be experiencing a loss at that or that lost a baby, and uh, hear these words. I lost a baby, and um, someone paid for me to go to therapy because I'm a smiler, but sometimes I'm hurting inside. Uh, I went to therapy and I sat in the therapist's room and, and I was like, well, I really don't know why I'm here. And he says, you know, well, why I told him I lost my baby. He said, you did not lose your baby. You know exactly where your baby is. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, your baby is with God Almighty and will be with you again one day. But no. your baby is in the best place that that baby could ever be. No. So if you had a loss know that you did not lose your baby. Your baby is in heaven with God, the best place that that child could ever be. Yes. Amen. That's that's the motto that we took on at that moment. Brandon is not in our past. He's in our future. Amen. Amen. Um, Pastor Kevin, I'm not sure whether it was you or Melissa that last night. I think I keep hearing as we go back around a resounding two things, grace, Mm. grace. And was that hashtag same team? Same team. Yeah. Hashtag same team. So let's re- let's remember those as we're listening to all of this. It's about grace for your spouse, yeah. and it's about hashtag same team. Yeah. And yeah. that's really what it is. So this one, wives, this one is for you. So we have uh, seven minutes, that we, and we're going to just do two more questions. So wives, I would like you to answer this one. Trying to be in control most of the time, being critical of my husband over small things. Mm. Anybody want to jump on that one? Well, I can I can attest to that. That was one of the one reason that we did divorce is I I really was a very critical person. I really found that to be my my go to. I just I wanted I'm a perfectionist at heart. I'm perfectionist to myself, but I'm also a perfectionist wanting him to be the best dad, wanting him to be the best pastor, wanting him to be the best friend, wanting him. And I thought I had all the ways to make him that. And I would see it as I'm just helping him. I'm his helpmate. And that's not what God called us to be in that definition. We are not to be his helpmate to make them the best pastor, friend, husband, daddy, whatever the the role that you're trying to improve them in to be giving your little two cents of what they need to be. So um, it really comes to just saying, God, I I can come to you for these things, and I he needs us to be their cheerleader. He needs me to be a cheerleader. He doesn't need me to be his Holy Spirit. He doesn't need me to be his constant nagging, finding things that he needs to be better at. He needs me to 
focus on and highlight the things that he's good at and he will work his butt off trying to be a better person when I highlight how great he is. So I, I had to find that in myself. That was a me problem. It wasn't a he problem. It was a me problem. So maybe just start giving it to God more and start focusing on being a cheerleader instead of the constant. Because we are mothers. It's in our nature. We're motherly. And we just think that it rolls off on our husband to be motherly. And that's, we're not his mama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm not, you said the women I went through, but I did say my last words to her when divorce was, I had one mother and I left home and now I'm leaving you. Girls? I'm going to say, I don't know if I was controlling right before we had separated. Oh, I please. Was, I was obsessed. <laughs> I was probably just very obsessed with um, him as a whole and what he was doing and where he was going and who are you going with. And that obsession led to him being like, he didn't want to be around me because I was just, I didn't have my own life. I wasn't Justine. I was like Sean's wife or I was the kid's mom's and mm, I became obsessed good. with that life of him. And um, I remember when we separated and I remember him coming home one day and I'm like, what, why am I not good enough? Like, what is going on? He says, you're just, you, you have not, you're, you're not, I don't wanna say like, you're not living you, you're living through everything else and everyone else I'm with is having fun and you're stuck. And I was like, wow. I just felt, you know, like I needed to let that go. And I remember just saying like, God, I don't wanna be obsessed with him. I love him and I wanna be with him, but now I have to let him go. So then I had to, and, and in all reality, I found me. And, and then I found me and then I was able to work on me and him. Very good, very good. So before we go on, I think this next question that I was gonna ask, it goes along just exactly what you were saying. Um, how to learn to trust again after trust is lost. Oh, yeah, that, and I mean, so, for, yeah, and so maybe you could just go ahead with that question, right. and then you guys could do both of them together if you haven't yet, because I think they go hand in hand, because control right. is trust. Well, I mean, of course, we both, um, we both had affairs. It was very, very difficult. Um, mine was a very revengeful one, because I was so angry at him for leaving me because I was obsessed with him. <laughs> so I um, remember getting back with him and us giving it to God, literally like we did. But I remember there was times, and this is very deep, I literally wanted to kill myself because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't get over that hurt. And I remember one time I ran out in our yard and I had like a handful of pills, pills and I said, God, I don't, when I can't live with this hurt anymore. Like I can't, I wanna get over it. And I just remember God saying, well, then give it. You, if you don't want to live with it, you have to trust him again. Right. You have to be able to look at him and love him for him. And, and I said, whew, that's a hard because I really wasn't in love with myself. And then all of a sudden God was like, it's time. And I did. I, you know, I went back inside and it was still a struggle a little bit, but I was like, I'm done. I have to trust. I can't live not trusting and I think that was my turning point for me. The turning point for me was just giving everything back to God. You know, I had to literally just lay my life down and say, I don't want this life anymore because as much as she was fighting for me, she, she was pushing me away 
But then I realized that she was the only one that will fight for me like that. I know we got to wrap it up, but let me just say on this issue, um, I think we get this, I think we get the cart before the horse or we get the cart all turned around um, because we're saying, how do I build trust again in my spouse after a loss? We both betrayed one another. I was first. She was more kind of the revenge thing and then a lot more revenge. But, um, <laughs> but I want to remind you of scripture, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with, yes. wait, let's start again, trust in the Lord with. Act like it's your favorite football team. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not part of your heart. So I don't take and dissect my heart and, you know, cut it up and say, well, here's a piece for you. Then here's a piece for my friend. Here's a piece for my children. Here's a No, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I trust you to be human. I trust my kids, my spouse to have flesh, and there's nothing good in the flesh. So do I think she'll ever betray me again? No. Why? Because she's not capable? Of course she is. But I trust God with all my heart. I don't try to trust her. God, you've got me, and, and you'll take care of me. And if she does me wrong, you'll take care of her. But, but, but the bottom line is we get this trusting all messed up. I'm vulnerable to her. She knows every part of who I am. She knows everything about my life. There's nothing hidden from her. I love her. I want, I want to spend the rest of my life with her. In order to do that, I have to trust God with all my heart. And no, he's got me. And if he doesn't have me, I'm in a world of hurt anyway. So let's get rid of this idea. I'm trying to trust you. Just be vulnerable by trusting God. Lay down your weapons. Lay down your defenses. Tear down your walls. And you'll never do that unless all your heart is in him. Yes. Amen. Yeah, that's basically where I'm gonna, I, Wait one second, okay? So what I'm going to do is I want to give you all one chance to say one last thing to anybody that you would like to do. So we'll start with you guys and we'll just come down there. And then um, you guys will wrap it up and then take over after that point. Okay, so go ahead. Whatever you want to say, Sean. I was just going to say that, you know, she's going to do what she wants to do no matter what, you know, no matter what I say to her or, you know, how I try to, if I try to control her, she's going to do what she's going to do. So I have, like you said, I have to trust God that, She's going to love me and be only with me. That's trusting God through that. Because she's going to make that decision whether she, what she's going to do. So you have to give it up. You can't, you can't worry about that. You can't control that. You, you have to give it all to God. And once I realize giving everything to God and, and trusting him 100%, I, I had to go. Uh, a good pastor friend of mine took me to a cemetery and he said, this is where things die. This is where they stay. Don't ever pick it back up. So I had to, I had to change my mind to think, I don't want that life anymore. Yeah. I only want the one person that is going to love me for me. God loves me unconditionally, and she loves me unconditionally. And there's not another person in this world that's going to love me more than her. Amen. And I had to realize that. I guess the only thing I would say is enjoy every moment, no matter where you're at in marriage. If you have little kids, if you have, you know, teenagers, um, we're empty nesters right now for a little over a year now. Enjoy every single moment. Enjoy the babies crying. Enjoy going to the games because it goes so fast. 
and you know that's and then enjoy together make sure you always make time for each other because that's where you're going to be together and then they're all going to be gone yeah <laughs> so good i i kind of have a two-parter but uh, first of all on the on the trust part of it as long as i was being witchy with a b as long as i was being that i that made me insecure but when I became the wife, God told me when you are being the wife that you need to be, he wouldn't want anybody else. Why would he want anybody else if I'm being the wife that I need to be? So I had to focus on being the cheerleader, the positive person, the adoring person, so that he would throw rocks at anybody else. Like, who would I ever find that's as good to me as you are? So that's really where my trust grew is when I started becoming the best me that I could be. And the one thing that I could say in marriage, and we've said it kind of throughout our teaching, is forgiveness. Forgiveness for, for yourself, for daily things that your husband might fall short on. Forgiveness for past things that you can't let go of. It, it, you got to have a heart of forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness. If you do not choose to forgive and walk in forgiveness, you're never going to have the relationship that's flourishing, that's fun, that's fruitful, that's, that's happy, and, and you have to have forgiveness every day. Very good. I love that. She just said it. Go ahead. Yeah, that's it. Um, I will uh, say lastly that um, be careful what you bring into your marriage. Um, if you have, even if you're still working on past issues, um, we're a blended family, and I had a, a past relationship that was very painful, and so I was not sure who he was. And I was still trying to control everything. Um, up to the day we got married, I shook walking down the aisle. He thought I was going to be a runaway bride. Um, there was a, yes, and this is very real. Um, I was very afraid, you know, of, of a man. Um, but he said to me one day and just, just held my face and said, I am not him. Mm -hmm. Do not blame me for what he did to you. I'm not him. And I had to let go for the first time and let God take control and allow him to be my husband because I was living in fear every day, wondering who he was going to wake up to be. So I would just like to say, you know, life is a process. Um, you know, relationships, marriage is a process. Um, and we didn't, you know, all sign. We didn't sign up to lose a baby. We didn't sign up. Um, for all these things that, that might happen. But at the end of the day, we made vows, and we, we promised to be true to those vows. And Oof. no matter what, it's beautiful in the end when either you're taking care of me or I'm taking care of you, and that is how it's supposed to end. And we don't want to lose our health, but at the end of the day, once it's all said and done, it's beautiful to look back at life and say, we got to do this together. Amen, amen, amen. I love you, man. Woo. Can we get... Can we get a standing um, college cheer for our couples who volunteered today? That's it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank we know you have been blessed by today's excerpt from Married People Date Night with Pastors Kevin and Melissa Goff. Here at TFH, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus and you're fulfilling a great marriage, go to thefathershouse.com slash marriage. Have a blessed day.